when, uh, when Solomon began to, to uh, build his temple after God told David he could build the temple, and then he said, no, you can't. How many of you have read that? God said, you're going to build the temple, David. And David went off and said, hey, Solomon, I'm going to build a temple. And God came back and said, yeah, I'm saying this for a reason. A lot of times people think God never changes his mind. He changes his mind every three seconds. Boy, y'all are quiet now. How many of you have always believed that God doesn't have to change his mind because he is infinite, he's sovereign, he's God? If you think God doesn't change his mind, why do you pray? All right, let's go home. Give, give. I just shared something with some of y'all. You went, my God, I never thought about that. That's very much revelation. I'm just a little bit too hot. Just a little bit. I'm not talking about me. I'm, not, I'm still hearing me more than I want to. Y'all are probably saying the same thing. Amen. Oh, it's you again. If you're with me, go to daily to Second Chronicles, chapter six. I went in last night, and I began to open the Bible up to Genesis one, and I started thumbing through the pages. Now, I want y'all, those of you that don't know me, I want y'all to see how my Bible's put together. There's a few pages, and it just goes on and on. They're just stuck in here. This Bible has been on probably 35 intercontinental flights all over the world, all over the nations. It's been uh, in 50 to 60 churches in Poland, it's, it's been in Belize. It's been in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I, can't, I cannot tell you how many places this book's been that you ain't never been. And it's full of knowledge. It is just full of wisdom. And it's amazing, amazing to me that every time we pick this up, we see things in here that we've never seen before. And that gives me hope because I wake up every day with new prayers on my mind and on my heart saying, God, how do I do this? How do I teach them? I'm not so much worried about me anymore. I try, I'm trying to find a way that I can communicate with people, and they go, I see that. I get that. If, if that's not happening, I'm up here just beating my... Sharissa uh, Sh- 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 went the other day to the doctor and, and said he's going to have to move her mouth around. It's, her mouth's out of whack. I said, I, I don't know why your mouth's out of whack. You've been jacking on it for 30-something years. No, you was good the first two or three years you was born. <laughs> Before you learned how to talk. I want to tell you all real quick, funny. Most of you have heard this, but for all of you people that haven't, leave a quarter to back for it. Amen. When I was in, uh, we were all in uh, uh, Poland. Yeah, that's what. And it was one of the first trips we ever went on, probably one of the first three or four trips we went. We took the dance team over there and uh, uh performed and went to several different churches and, and uh, it, I remember the morning we left we stayed at the soccer stadium hotel and it was about seven bucks a night back then I think and uh, th- when you sit on the when you sit on the potty you, you could brush your teeth at the same time and you could touch your bed I mean it was just it was it was really neat 
So that morning we woke up. I remember I went in the bathroom and um, washed all my undies in the sink. There wasn't any laundry service and hung them out on the windows. The, the windows were all open. So when I got up that morning to get dressed, it was a little humid that night. I reached out to get my drawers, and my drawers were still wet. And I said, Donnie West don't want to put them drawers on wet. It was cold. So I stuffed them in my suitcase, went outside, had on a pair of shorts, and we were all standing outside waiting for the bus, the uh, Mercedes bus to come pick us up. There was how many girls? Six, seven, eight, more? Bunch of women. I was the only male on the bunch, and uh, Marion Duval, uh, who's probably the most sweet, most humble man you'll ever meet, came that morning to tell us bye, and we were all standing out there. I had on a, a, a windbreaker and a pair of shorts and tennis shoes, and Marion Duval was walking. So he was standing there, and we were talking, and I was standing there going, <laughs> I'm very dramatic. I never shut up. I was, ooh, it's cold. Shut up, Trace. And he said, brother, are you cold? I said, I am freezing. I said, I wish my pants went all the way to the ground. So I'm standing there talking to these girls, and I lose sight of Marriott. And I think, well, he's gone somewhere. He'll be back in a minute. Marion, who you would never think would do something like this, walked around behind me, not knowing that I had scrubbed my fruit of the looms. <laughs> and we're standing there talking, and I'm standing there talking like this, doing the, you know, you know being silly. And all of a sudden... Marion Duval just come up behind me and just goes woof, to the ground. Shoo. Felt I felt like Adam and Eve, more like Adam. And I I I never forget boy just leaning over going, Oh my God. And I looked at him, I went, Marion. He said, You said you wished your pants went all the way to the ground. <clears throat> So you can't just take everything face value, what people say. <laughs> Can I get more light up here? Is there any more light? I'm blind this morning. I can't see. All right. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, very, I'm interested about seeing what happens this morning. Amen. Solomon, there's three tabernacles in the Old Testament. Moses' tabernacle, which was pretty much Baptist, Methodist. Presbyterian. They're just religious bunch of folks. Amen. They had a bunch of things in there that meant something. And most all the people that were there and made those things had no idea what that meant. It was just a religious thing. And that's what most churches in this nation today are doing. They're coming into a place that they've created and they really have no idea where it all came from. And, and this, this little portion right here of, of chapter six, Second Chronicles chapter 6 and chapter uh, 7 really open up and show a whole lot of stuff here that just is just amazing. I sat here last night. I was so sleepy, but I just kept trying to read and read and read because I wanted to get this in me. 
God told in, in the Old Testament, it was a place where God told, I think it was Ezekiel, he said, God said, eat, take the roll, we're talking about the scroll, and eat it, consume it. Let it go down inside of your bowels. Something gets down inside your bowels, you're going to be changed, amen, for the good and for the worse. But it's going to change you. So here we are, Solomon, in chapter 6, 2 Second Chronicles, I want to say Corinthians for some reason, uh, in verse 1. Go there with me real quick. Then said Solomon, the Lord hath said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. Y'all remember about, oh, several months ago when I gave, got up and gave the testimony about reading what happens when somebody messes with one of God's kids? It talks about the thick darkness that he gets through to get to that person before he kills them. Y'all got, y'all got part of that, amen. And he, that he would dwell in the thick darkness. But I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling, a place for you to live forever. Now we all know, I say we all know, most of us know that the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. during a war. And it, I just want to, re- I want to read some scriptures here, some select things here that I want to read to you. In verse 6 it says, But I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there and have chosen David to be over my people in Israel. David, as, as much as anybody might not want to believe it, was the coolest king that Israel ever had. If you went to Kodiyama's with David to eat sushi and somebody insulted you, he'd have killed him. He was cool. There wasn't any hidden wonders about what would David do. When, when, when people did stupid stuff, they knew they were going to get stupid prizes. And David was trying to find, it, to find them to give the prize to them. Verse 9, notwithstanding that thou shalt not build the house, but thy son, which shall come forth out of thy loins, tenderloin, Ted, that's where you come from, tenderloin. He shall build a house for my name. Now, folks, I want you to think about something. They're talking about, they keep talking about for his name. His name. What name are we going to use? I want you to think about that. No, no, wait a minute, Sherry. You're supposed to know. If you don't know, don't say nothing. Okay? Because they'll think you don't know. Uh, Jesus was not a household word at this time. And I'm going to show you in a minute where he was around, though. In those days, the name of God was Yahweh. Or it could have been Jehovah. Or it could have been any of other about 15 different names that he carried because of it described his character and his personality. Verse 11. Before I, say, before I say this, I want you to understand today, the Scripture says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. I want to clarify some things for y'all today. I know some of you got some confusions up in here. And I want to help you. Uh, 
How many of you remember when Jesus gave the Great Commission? He said, I want you to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and do all this stuff. And he says, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So how many of you were baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Raise your hand up. Amen. I was too. Then I got baptized in the name of Jesus. Did it do anything to you? Whoa, yeah, did it do something to me. It did to me what it was supposed to do to me. You say, well, I'm confused. Jesus said, well, let me tell you something. Jesus standing here looking up at these people. Why do you gaze upward? Why are you standing here looking? And Jesus said, I got to leave. If I don't leave, the Holy Spirit can't come. The minute the Holy Spirit comes and dwell, begins to dwell in men's hearts, Paul, who was the most Christ-like figure in the New Testament, who was alive and well and going out and reaching the Gentiles, said this, be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, why did Jesus, how many of you know why Jesus said, go, go be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Because that's what was cool. They didn't know, the people didn't know Jesus' place. He was trying to get them to understand who he was. Are you God? I am. Are you the Son of God? I am. Are you the one that's been promised to us? I am. But until I'm here, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost. The day I leave and ain't here no more, baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, keep that in mind. Verse 11. And, in, and it I have put the ark wherein in the covenant of the Lord. This, the temple, the sanctuary, was the place of the Ark of the Covenant. And any of you that have studied the house of David with me for the last 20 years knows this one thing, that the Ark of the Covenant marked the presence of where God was at. Verse 14. I'm skipping a ton of stuff here because I've got so many scriptures to read to you. And said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in all the earth, nor in the earth. And there's a scripture right back down here that talks about uh, the goodness of God. How many of you think God's good? Raise your hand. Well, none of you going to keep your hand down. Even if you think God's mean, you're not going to say, I think he's mean. I think he's ornery. A lot of you who haven't studied the Bible a lot think that God is bipolar. <laughs> How many of y'all think God's bipolar? Be honest. Be honest. How many of you, when you first got saved and started reading the Bible, thought God was bipolar? Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, he takes sugar pills. The rest of the day, he takes Xanax and Valium. Chills him out. A little abuse spear on here, you know. What makes you think that way? Because in your mind, you see God this way one day and another way the next day. One day, he's trying to save 14,000 people, and the next day, he's killing 14,000 people. That's why you've got to read this word. Don't get quiet because you're hoping I'm going to give you an answer to some of this stuff. Amen? Just hang on. Verse 14 again. There's none like God in all the earth. Verse 17, 
Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified. Lord, let your word be verified, which thou hast spoken unto the servant David. Verse 19. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee. Tell the Lord this morning where you're sitting, Lord, hear my prayer. Say it again, Lord, hear my prayer. That's That's what we're here for. God, we want you to hear our prayer. Okay, go on with me. Turn the page if you're the same place I am. They're having a time here of consecration to the Lord. They are, they, they're spending six and seven days consecrating, praying, making declarations. Solomon, the most wise man in the world, is praying to the Lord. And he's telling God, here's why we made this temple. We built it for you, God. We built it also for us, that we might be your people, that you might be our God in this place. People think some Sundays, we're, we're, I'm going fishing, I'm not going to church. Don't hurt me to miss every once in a while. That might be the Sunday you might have got saved. Because if you was saved, you'd be in church. You wouldn't be fighting with fishing or God, mm, fishing or God, mm, fishing or God, mm, deer hunting or God, mm, deer hunting or God. Mm, Cabo Wabo, God. Mm, Florida, God. Mm, family reunion. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, people come up tell me all the time, I say, where you been? Uh, family reunion on Sunday? Yeah, but we're all Christians. I said, don't look like it. Dang. Did I say something wrong? How many times have we read the Scripture from the Old Testament about do not? be hanging out and doing other things except going to church on the Sabbath day. But we're all Christians. I don't think so. God said that day is my day. He says, do not forsake my Sabbath. And that first day of the week, folks, is God's Sabbath. So let's go on. Y'all mad now? Let's go on. I want you to look at verse 22. And here's what Solomon's saying. I'm going to read a couple of these. I'm not going to read all these. If a man sinned against his neighbor and an oath, he laid upon him to make him swear and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear them from heaven and do not judge thy servant by requiting the wicked by recompensation his ways upon his own head and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Now listen to this next one. And if thy people, Israel, be put to the worst before the enemy because they have sinned against thee, if you'll go and read this, and I, and I encourage you when you get home, read this right here very carefully. Solomon is saying, God, when we, when we go fishing on Sunday rather than going to church, we're going to ask you to forgive us. And you're going to say, okay, because your mercies are renewed every day. Folks, you don't wake up in the morning with an automatic mercy hanging off your ear. 
Mercies are something that you cry out for. Mercy is something that you might, that you might need. Car insurance is something that you might need, but you got it. But if you wreck your car and don't go to the insurance company and tell them, hey, I've wrecked my car and I need to get it fixed, you ain't going to get your car fixed. If you need mercy and you don't go get that mercy from God in the house of God, you ain't going to get no mercy. I'm sick and tired. Donnie West is sick and tired of people having havoc and hell and their families, and their houses, and everything in their life turned upside down, saying, where is the good God that we know? Uh, That preacher said that mercy was there for me every day. Yeah, but you ain't asking for it. And the reason you ain't asking for it is because you ain't telling God what's wrong with you that he needs to fix and give you mercy. And you refusing to go to the house of God, you going fishing, and you getting out on the lake saying, Lord, I know I ought to be in the, ha- in the house of God, but I'm not. And Lord, I got these problems I want to talk to you about right here. And God says, no, go back to the house of God, and I'll talk to you there. I've built this house for a reason. God's built this house for a reason. We don't, we don't, we don't come in here and lift up. Now, I love Jehovah. Jehovah's our God. He is the whole God. He is the complete God. He's the everything God. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was the part of God that came down to this earth, walked among me and you, talked to us, saw our failures, experienced everything that we've ever experienced, being rejected, being kicked out, being disrespected, dishonored, and said, you're a blasphemer. You're not God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is to be the Lord and the Master and the man in this place. God's not a man, but Jesus is. Jesus is God also who is a man. We're getting there. Some people say, well, if I ever need that mercy, I'll know where it's at. I guarantee you about 90% of you need it this morning. You just ain't going to tell nobody. Do you know why God says to tell each other our sins, confess our faults one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed? Because God wants you to be humble enough. Oh, we can all look up towards heaven and say this, "Mm, in our mind, Lord, I'm a wicked sinner. I lust. I steal. Uh, I envy. Uh, and he says, go tell somebody. Oh, I can't tell anybody. That don't know what I'm really like. I know what you're really like. I'm the one that really matters. Know the song? I'm the one that really matters. All right. Listen to this. I'm trying to find this one particular scripture here where it says... That uh, it says that all men, there are no men that do not sin. All of you need his mercy. Solomon. And. Read this in verse 39. Then hear from the heavens 
even from thy dwelling place, their prayers and their supplications. And listen to this, listen, listen to this. William's daddy, Larry Seaman, used to preach a message, do we not have a cause? Do we not have a cause? I wrestled with a question. I've been, I've been saved for 40 years. I've been preaching 40 years. I immediately got into the business. Immediately. Is there not a cause? I watched a show. I shared Wednesday night a little bit about a show about, uh, what was his name? Help me somebody. Not Clef Lodah. Carlton Pearson. Thank you, Wade. Carlton Pearson came to the conclusion in his mind that he was a universalist like Abraham Lincoln was, that we're all saved. And it says that God died for the sins of the world. And that's what he bases his belief upon. God died, for, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. How many of you believe that? I do. But he, what, did, he died for the sins of the whole world, but that, and that's cool. When me and Chad moved up to Honey Island, what are we going to do about water, Chad? Well, we got options. We can dig a well, or we can tie into the community well. Because the community well was dug for everyone. But you can't get community water unless you tie into the community line. Jesus died. For, yeah, ain't that simple? That's, God, that's what God taught me. He said, it's really simple. You can do this. The water's there for us, but we did not tie into it because we chose another way to get water. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but, but by me. The Scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Romans 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God has raised him, Jesus, from the grave, you will be saved. Scripture also says this. this, this is, I'm going somewhere. Scripture says this. Any, any among you sick? How many of y'all sick and tired of being sick? How many of y'all sick and tired of being sick and not know why you're sick and tired? How I many of you have hell assaulting you and you're going, well, God's good. He's just testing you. Isn't that a good cop out? Is any among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing them with oil. See, I know all this stuff. I know a few things because I've seen a few things. Anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Jesus. And if they have committed sins, it shall be forgiven them. Wait a minute. Is any among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them. Anointing them at all. In the name of the Lord. He'll heal them. And if they have sinned. Can I paraphrase this? 
if they have sinned and God is spanking their butts because of what they did, because they chose not to come to the house of God and receive mercy, they're in that trouble. I'm tired of people telling me how good God is when your whole family's under attack, being having the literal hell beat out of you, and go, well, God's good. I'm just in a test. I'd rather not be in that test. I don't want to take that test. I want to take that test multiple choice. And the only answer is A, B, C, God, God, God. Which one do you choose? A, B, and C, all the above. That just came to me. That's good. All right, we ain't got much time. Quick. I wish they had about 15 hours. All right, I'm try we're trying to get to a place. Uh, let's go to chapter number 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I cannot see this morning. Sherry, we will go buy me some new glasses. Amen. You got four new pair and I don't have any. But I need a pair. Amen. <laughs> By the way, I want to share something with y'all. God told me last night. Kneeling is not a form of worship. Kneeling is a form of praise. Kneeling is the, is the first movement to worship. You're getting ready so you can. Have you, how many of you ever noticed me and Sherry when we come down to pray? We do this. Jerry, he sees it in my seat. You're sitting in a very important place. Right there. But we get up and we go up here like this. Like Fred Sanford. And we get down. And when we get up, we... <laughs> and then we... It's, it's a struggle, but we do it. Y'all waiting for an answer, aren't you? I ain't going to, that's it. <laughs> Verse 1, chapter 7. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, there's a time to quit, folks. When fire came down, that's when you quit. <laughs> when fire came down from heaven and and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the house the, folks that was smoke I don't know if you know that or not that was smoke and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. They were so having church that the preachers couldn't even get in. They Listen, when God shows up, you don't need a stinking preacher. The whole purpose of the preacher is to get you stirred up to ask God to come down and give you some mercy, which you really don't need. There's people in this place today need cry out for mercy. Your children are in jeopardy. Your lives are in jeopardy. Your families are in jeopardy. Your marriage is in jeopardy. Your financial restitution is in jeopardy. Everything about your life's in jeopardy if you don't today 
This is an important day. This is one of the most important days that you've ever been to church in your life because God's explaining to you what you need to do before you go out that gate today. And that is receive His mercy. But before you can ask Him for His mercy, you've got to tell Him how, what you've done that ticked Him off. You go read in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26 and 27. There's two whole, yeah, sixes and sevens written about what happens when people obey the Lord. Blessings. The next, number seven or whatever it is, what happens when they don't obey the Lord. Whew. Oh, God is good. And all these people laying under all that rubble's going, God is good. All the time. It sure hurts. My kids look terrible. My marriage is a wreck. My job's failing. But God is good. No, you're just confused. You say, well, I, I can't think of anything I've done wrong. Ask me how many things I think I've done wrong. I can't name them all. Do you know that? Listen, listen to this. When, when they begin, when, when, when Solomon ends his prayer, he says, listen, he says, now, now, it's time for sacrifice. I've prayed. I've asked God. All right, God, it's your turn. But Solomon says, before you do anything, God, we want to show you what we think of you. Listen to this. Verse 5, and King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. How big is our altar? You might put two or three goats and a couple of chickens. But our altar's not big enough. If you go on and read there, it says there was so much sacrifice that the, that the priest couldn't take care of it. There wasn't room. There was so much fat which was a pleasing offering to God. Somebody would like to have, God would like to have some of y'all. You think it's funny, Jessica? Son, if we had a fat offering, everybody in Cuba would get healed. <laughs> and Venezuela. The whole world would get healed if we had a fat offering. Amen. I'm getting on touchy subject. <laughs> uh, some of y'all laughing, some of you ain't. Uh, <laughs> okay. Where are we at, y'all? Here's, here's something interesting. Verse 6. And the priests waited upon their offices. The Levites also, listen to this, with instruments of music of the Lord, which David, the king, had made to praise the Lord. 
because his mercy endureth forever. Now this, this is going on for seven, six days. Seven days. They are praying. They killing. They sacrificing. There's blood this deep in the courtyards. And, 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 and God's like, whoa. We just want to let you know. These people are giving hundreds of thousands of animals of blood and fat and all that stuff. We walk up here and put $15 in an offering and think that God owes us something. Teresa, can I, with your, with your permission, tell the church how much money you gave to the church last year? It's up to you. I won't. I will honor you if you say no. Tell them so I don't mess up. About. Pick a number. Yeah. $39,000 out of their normal income. Not somebody died and left them a million dollars and we gave 20000 in one pop. $39,000 last year. And they've done that every year since they've been here. I have been to them and counseled with them and said, please, quit giving so much money. And they say, we believe this is what God wants us to give. And they are blessed Beyond measure. My son is my pastor. My daughter's my worship leader. My two oldest grandkids are in Bible school. Cammie's great. And Nathan, one day, shall lead the nations. I'm telling you. Verse 2. No, let's go. Let's no. Let's go. Keep going. I'm getting there. David plays music. He instructs them to play music during this time of worship. Verse ten. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into the tents, glad and merry in their heart. Are you glad? Or are you just acting like you're glad? Are you merry in your heart? It says he sent them away, glad and merry in their heart, for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. Verse 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard the prayer. Say it with me. I have heard the prayer. How many of you have said, Oh, Lord, hear my prayer? He says, I've heard it. Seven days. Killing all these animals. The Lord says, Solomon, I've heard you. I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place. How many of you want God to choose this place right here? He has. It's already done. To myself. And for a house. It doesn't say a house of prayer. Doesn't say a house of praise. Doesn't say a house of worship. It says a house of sacrifice. And some of you go, well, I think I give enough. I don't give as much as Theresa does, but we give enough. When you need God 
to heal a child of yours that they say is going to die, how much do you wish you would have gave to God? When your marriage is falling apart because of finances, how much of that wish do you wish you would have given to God? So that when he hears your prayer, he's plumb serious about listening to you because he knows that you're plumb serious about listening to him. Oh, write that down. That was good. And if I shut up, listen to this, in verse number 13, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command, this is God's word now, this is God speaking, if I shut up the heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among the people. Listen, this is what God's saying. Bugs eat your crop up, God's good. All your kids die. God's good. Now, I might be praying something like that. I might be saying in my tears, God's good and great and all that good stuff. Lord, what in the name of heaven are you doing? If you're going to do something like this to me, at least you can do just tell me. Let me know. And if he says you already know, you wouldn't listen, then you need to cry a little harder. And here is the famous scripture that I'm getting to. Second Chronicles 7.14. If I had a nickel for every time I've quoted this, I'd be a rich man. I am, by the way. All right. If my people, I can preach a two-hour message on this one scripture. If my people, if, if. The question is, if. The question to you is, is you. That's not a Hebrew name. Is you. Which are called by my name, shall, an act of your will, shall, will, does, is gonna, did. Hey, that's, that's conjugation Donnie with. Will humble themselves. Today, all God wants out of you is your humility. He wants your humility more than he does your sacrifice. He wants your humility more than anything else you have. Because if he can get your humility, he'll receive your sacrifice. And pray, seek my face. What do we do in worship, folks? Seek the face of God. When we stand in prayer and in worship and God steps down out of heaven into this sanctuary and he gets down on eye level with us and he looks us right in the face, we see the reflection of who we are. And God changes in our hearts the things we can't change in ourselves. That's what we need. We need a face-to-face -face encounter. Seek my face and turn 180 degrees just like Jonah did 180 degrees turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven now that now 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 stop right there for a minute then will I God says listen to this God says are you listening? This ain't David talking. This ain't Solomon talking. This ain't some angel talking. This is God. You ever wondered what that meant? Yeah, you have. 
If you've ever read the Bible, you've wondered, what in the heck does that mean? Then I will hear from heaven. I'm God. Then I will hear from heaven. Y'all are looking real with anticipation to this answer. God says, then I will hear from heaven. Would you think that heaven would be waiting on to hear it from God? Jesus wasn't here. The Holy Spirit wasn't continually, continually dwelling here. They're in heaven. And God says, then I will hear from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we will all concur together. We will come together as one, as it's meant to be in the days that are coming when Jesus goes to the cross, when he lays down at the scourging wheel, and they beat him for hours with a whip and hang him on a cross and put a crown of thorns upon his head and stick a sword, a spear into his side and drain his body fluids out, and he gives up. Up and said it's finished God's saying I want to talk to Jesus and the Holy Spirit about this say that I don't, I don't get that pray for about 40 years and maybe you'll understand that then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their Land. And he goes on to say in these last few verses in this book, and I'm going to give it to you simply. God says this is the way it's supposed to be. Man is sinful. He goes out and sins. Once a week he comes into the temple of God. He declares his sin before the Lord he confesses his faults before the Lord and he says Lord I need your mercy I need your grace and the Lord says here in my holy temple will I live I forgive you go see you next week but the scriptures that follow this it says but when people refuse to do what I say, if you refuse to hear my voice, if you refuse to say what I say is holy and what is unholy, I will destroy the temple. And people will walk before the temple someday and look and say, what in the world made their God so mad? that he would destroy their place of worship, their place of mercy, their place of grace. Now let me ask you a staggering question. How many of you here today have refused God's grace and his mercy? How many of you here today feel even uncomfortable in the house of God because you know your heart is not given to God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would give your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto me, which is your reasonable service. Be not converted into this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. I'm telling you today, folks, what I've said today here is important. I wish I had months, months to stand here and teach you on this, but I don't. So I have given it to you the best I can in this short period of time. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. That's good for some situations. God wants to help us continue with the cause that we have in this place. And the cause in this place is to see this place and the new place we're going to build. I can't wait to do it and have the dedication and consecration of that building. God wants to see no heads bowed, no eyes closed, no tears on the floor. I'm going to ask you to deal with what you know is in your heart today. And quit. Uh, uh, let me think of another good scripture. Ecclesiastes. Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of a fool. Because God has no pleasure in fools. Father God, in Jesus' name, I here's my invitation to y'all. Whatever you think we don't know about you, that God knows about you, you'd be a wise, wise saint to come before the Lord. You don't have 120,000 goats. And I ain't got, got 100,000 fat oxen. But you have exactly today what God wants you to have. If you're saved, if you know Jesus, God says, turn again towards the holy temple of God. And those things that you said are okay and God says, no, they're not. Things that you settle for your life, oh, this is just the way it's going to be because I'm weak and I can't do anything about it. You might not be able to, but I promise you there's a God that's able to take care and to meet any need or condition that you have in your life. So if you need to come today, while everybody stands, if that's you we're talking to today, come to the altars. Thank you, Lord. Repentance. Repent before the Lord this morning, folks. The things you can't fix, He can. The things you refuse to let go of, He'll shake it off of you. Teresa, let me say something real quick. I, I want to say something real quick. Do you people realize how many people in this place that have come to church for years, gone to other churches for years, and you just don't be able, you just not, you don't seem to be able to line up your life with the Lord? People that actually walk with God kind of scare you. They're kind of freaky because you think, man, that's, 
That's too much religion for me. Did you ever think the reason you feel that way is because you might not have ever been truly born again? I went to church for nine years, lost as a goose, hated every minute of it, acted like I loved it. If you're here today and you've never been saved, just reach over to somebody here sitting around you or something and say, I need to get saved. And whoever you say that to, lead them to the Lord. Simply, by grace, are they saved through faith. Make things right with God, people. We need you. Every person on this altar up here today, we need you. Quit being selfish. We need you. Quit saying, that's nothing wrong with that. It's just who I am. Quit that. Quit saying, quit saying I've got a problem, but I got it from my mama. That's not what God said. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. It says in the book of Romans that when you get baptized, they lay you down in a water grave. And when you rise up out of that grave, you rise up in the newness of the Lord Jesus Christ, changed by the power of God through regeneration of that baptism. I'm telling you, folks, I'm not a, I'm not a crazy neo-Pentecostal nutcase. I'm telling you, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Will it save you? No. But it sure will change your life for the good, I promise you. You'll shake things off of you that you didn't think you could get off of you because the power of God dwells on you. The Bible says the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within your mortal bodies. You. It dwells inside of you. If you're not connected to the correct water line, get connected. Jesus calls it the well. He says, if you drink from this well, you will never thirst again. I've never needed God that he wasn't there for me. We're not in any hurry. Y'all keep praying. Get your hearts right with God. Plead for his mercy upon this place. If you've done something, hey, we've all done something. So everybody say, I've done something. I've done something. Say, I've done something I shouldn't have did. I've done something I shouldn't have did. Say it with me, y'all are lying. I've done something I shouldn't have did. Shouldn't have done. The word of the Lord right there says, every man sins. Every man. Today's your opportunity to turn around. All right, everybody, would you stand with me? Not, not the people on the altar. You stay there. You stay there as long as you want to. But I'm going to release the rest of these people so they can get out of the way and the next herd can come in. Amen? Father, we bless you this morning. I thank you, God, last night that I sat down at my table and I opened this word. My, work, my, my, my heart was panicky. I needed something, something fresh. I needed something good. I need something that would touch the heart of God's people and turn them around, turn them upside down. So when they walk out of this place and go to Walmart, they won't gossip in the aisles. They'll talk about Jesus in the aisles. They won't run people down that go to Gateway Church. They'll talk about the need of people that need Jesus Christ in their life. Father, bless us as we go. Let us enter in through the south door, go out through the north door, changed 
in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for this sweet day of worship and word and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Y'all go home. Tell somebody about Jesus. Bring somebody back to church next week with you. I'll wear my pink shoes next week. Yeah. I don't have any pink shoes, really. All right. That's a little extreme. You people praying, you just stay there as long as you need to. I'll stay here till midnight with you if you want to. You know when your messages are from God. What? <laughs> well, I'll be better the second service. I didn't have, he needs to turn me off. Can I just turn me off right here?